Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we got a great show tonight, a lot of exciting things happening with me as my producer. Um, so first we're going to be talking about Jesse Smollett. Mm -hmm. Apparently his charges have been dropped. I have a lot to say about that. Then we're going to go into the latest drama surrounding Cardi B. I never thought I would be talking about Cardi B on the show, but here we are. Uh, then transphobia being taught in Canadian schools. That's going to... You, you may want to take a Xanax or something before we get into that story because it's just going to stress you out, I swear. And uh, finally, we have an interview with Gavin McInnes. Very, mm -hmm. very exciting. Yeah, for those of you concerned, I'm not a stand-in for Gavin. We'll get into him later. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't worry, Gavin. Uh, we're going to try to get to him at around 30 minutes at around the 8.30 mark. Yeah, it'll um, be the last half of the show. Yeah, and as always, we're going to be taking your questions uh, between segments. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, get this uh, little bit of interaction here. So I guess... First things first, Jesse Smollett. If you guys haven't been keeping track of what's been going on, I don't know where you've been. The story mm -hmm. has been everywhere. Uh, but basically, for the few of you who've maybe been living under a rock for the past few months, uh, Empire actor slash singer made headlines when he was allegedly the victim of a hate crime. He claimed that in the middle of the night, downtown Chicago, two guys wearing MAGA hats kind of, what, they beat him up, poured bleach, bleach on him and tied a noose around his neck while yelling, this is MAGA country. Mm -hmm. um, he, he filed a police report and everything. Turns out, mm, I'm going to say allegedly, or it looks like for legal reasons, but doesn't seem like the, the hate crime actually happened. Upon digging into things a little bit more, a lot of people were already suspicious of his story. Not too many uh, Trump supporters in downtown Chicago, uh, but there were a bunch of things that led police to believe that Actually, he was the one responsible. I mean, it looked like he'd given a check to two brothers who were actually Nigerian of, of origin. I think they were naturalized, but, uh, you know, not, not your white American Trump supporters. Um, there was footage of the two brothers, like, buying the rope. It was also alleged that uh, an earlier hate letter that he'd received was actually sent on behalf of him by the brothers as well. Anyway, whole thing. Um, he ended up being charged with, like, 16 felonies. And, you know, a lot of people were really anxious to see this go to trial, see what was going to happen, if he's going to have to pay fines, maybe even jail time, who knows, because this is this is serious stuff. Um, you know, it's mainly, I think, the, the things that involved the sending threats through mail. I mean, there was even a powder that looked like anthrax. Whole thing. The latest news on that, though, is that the charges have been dropped. All of them. And not only have the charges been dropped, but the case, I think, has actually been sealed right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, he did 16 hours of community service, but it's looking like that's it. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really noteworthy, too, is that the police and the mayor were notified at the same time as the public that the, the yeah. case was dropped. And I think a lot of people have already seen the clips, so we're not going to actually get into them, but... Uh, the police and the mayor were both very upset about this. Very situation. upset. And, you know, Rahm Emanuel, I'm not a fan of him. He's, I mean, he's a mayor of Chicago. You can imagine how far left he is. But even he is saying, and this, I think, should prove that this isn't really a left versus right thing. It's more just like a rule of law versus insane amounts of corruption thing. He was saying that this, I think, is a, a whitewashing of justice. Uh, mm -hmm. The police are still trying to do something to where Jesse actually has, you know, at least faces some sort of penalty for this. Um so once this news was announced, I think a lot of people who were his supporters, Jesse's supporters, were saying like, oh, that means he's innocent now. I mean, he's the charges are dropped. So obviously the truth has come out. He didn't do it. 
Apparently, that's not the case, though. Even we have a clip of even the prosecutors uh, himself saying, "Yeah, the charges are dropped," but uh, he still thinks he did it. If we can uh, maybe play that. Oh, give us a quick second here. Oh. Gotta love it. Ready, Shane? Does it exonerate him? No. Do you believe that he is innocent? I do not believe he's innocent. So you believe he's guilty? Yes. So why drop the charges? Based on all the facts and circumstances, based on his lack of criminal background, I mean, we defer or do alternative prosecutions. In the last two years, we've done it on 5,700 other felony cases. So this is weird. This is really weird. I don't even know what to make of this because it's not even really... I mean, I understand that plea deals are a thing. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of times if... Uh, prosecutor isn't sure that you know they'll be able to get a bunch of guilty convictions they may you know try to strike a deal where you plead guilty to a lesser offense and at least they get you for something but like all of his felonies were dropped all of them 16 of them yeah absolutely and and they said explicitly there actually was no deal yeah this isn't a deferred judgment there's nothing like that um it seems that the prosecutors just decided that he didn't deserve to be prosecuted yeah which ultimately which, what i took from that little bit that he said yeah they're kind of like oh well you know, based on his history, lack of criminality, like, oh, we'll just yeah. let him off the hook, which I'm pretty sure is what a judge is supposed to decide upon hearing the case. You know, I'm pretty sure that's why we have this whole legal system. Um, so a lot of people are really upset about this. And again, this is not left versus right. You had freaking Rahm Emanuel saying that he doesn't support this. This is just, you've clearly done something wrong. There's a ton of evidence. Uh, police were very, very confident that they would be able to get a conviction based on this. Mm -hmm. Um, Jesse but, still denies he did anything wrong. Yeah, and of course, he, he of is... course gave a you know a speech saying he's a man of faith. Uh, I wouldn't be my mother's son, I think is what he said, if I was guilty of even like a you know a fraction of what they accuse me of. People are mad about this because I you know we talk and debunk on the show concepts like male privilege, white privilege, stuff like that. I think what we have here is an example of wealth and class privilege. Seriously, I mean, who else can get away with committing a fake hate crime that actually reaches like the national level in terms mm -hmm. of breaking international, the law. I would say. Yeah, yeah. And, and just get away with 16 hours of community service. Yeah, I guess Jesse Smellett has white privilege. Yeah, I mean, but... it's, it's pretty insane. And actually, uh, you know, I've been following the story on Twitter. You have people tweeting out, uh, you know, I have a brother who got caught with a joint. He actually went to jail <laughs> for that. And just, you know, every, all the things mm. that if you were a regular person, you would be going to jail for that absolutely pale in comparison to mailing yourself fake threats, potentially like fake anthrax looking powder ish, uh, you know, hiring people to be just like this whole thing and and nothing. And actually, Rahm Emanuel, if you watch his speech, he he kind of likened this to the recent scandal that we also talked about with the colleges. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, you just have. Another example of someone who is wealthy and privileged playing by an entirely different set of rules mm. than everyone else. And from the moment this came out, people were kind of thinking corruption or some kind mm -hmm. of collusion because yes. that's what this speaks of. And apparently there's actually evidence of it. Well, it's, not it's like preliminary kind of findings, right? Yeah. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background on it first. Um, so there are two people at play right here. And right now the main players are Tina Chen. Uh, Tina no Chen. relation, no relation. Yeah, there's a T in front of there. Yeah. So uh, she is a lawyer who served as an assistant to Barack Obama, um, <clears throat> and she was chief of staff to Michelle Obama. 
Uh, she was also the director of the White House of Public Engagement during her time, which meant that she dealt with a lot of celebrities for public mm-hmm. outreach, that kind yeah. of thing. So, so there um, are there are pictures of Jesse Smollett with the Obamas and stuff like that. Yeah, and and she is also allegedly a fan of Jesse Smollett. I don't know the validity of that. I haven't been able to back that up myself, mm-hmm. but she might be a fan of him. So the next person that's involved is Kim Fox, and she is uh, a Democrat who is the state attorney for Cook County, which is a uh, part of like Chicago was part of Cook County. Uh, Illinois, and she's been so since November 2016. She unofficially, now this is important because this is part of the situation, but she unofficially recused herself from the case and allowed um, Joseph Magatz to take the lead um, for the prosecution of Jesse Smollett. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm going to show you why that's important because we have, uh, there were some leaked text messages and, and emails essentially. Um, yeah, if we're right now, bring if you that pull up. that up. Um, between Tina Chen and Kim Fox. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to read that? Yeah, you, you can go okay. ahead. All right. So, Kim, I sent an email to your work address, I think, as well. I just wanted uh, <clears throat> I wanted to give you a call on behalf of Jussie Sumalet, pardon me, and family who I know. They have concerns about the investigation. Uh, the rest is just details, but she gives her cell phone number. This is the first of many uh, parts of the conversation. You could find the rest online. But basically, there's a correspondence between Tina Chen, uh, former advisor to Barack Obama, yeah. and Kim Fox, the pro- lead prosecutor in this case, mm-hmm. um, just prior to her recusing herself. Um, so there's a lot more going on here, definitely, and we're seeing a lot of problems with possible corruption. Yeah, and I don't... I mean, people are who are fans of Jesse are celebrating this, but I don't think he's off the hook just yet because, like I said, the police are still trying to bring charges against him. Um, they want this done on like the federal level, if if yeah. I'm correct, uh, because they're they're still very very much convinced that he is guilty. Um, so thinking about this, my mind kind of turns to all right. Like obviously, I I'm upset that someone who's committed wrongdoings is getting off essentially scot-free i mean they they are keeping his ten thousand uh, dollars in uh, bail bonds but for someone right. like that that's... which which definitely tells you that he's not guiltless right like right if because were actually... they would give it yeah. back if, yeah. if he were and he had to do some community service i believe right. too so um but what what do you think should happen to him like eventually if he actually ends up being charged and doing his time or whatever justice is served what would that even look like because when I initially reported on the story, I mentioned that I really didn't think he was going to get jail time. Even even then, before everything was dropped, uh, I thought he would get a little bit more than he did. But, uh, you know, so many people were saying, like, no, like, lock him up, throw away the key, throw the book at him. I'm someone who I actually am against the idea of people going to jail for nonviolent offenses in general, just because I don't think it's a good use of resources. I think, you know, fines, community service, house arrests probably better for the community and less alienating for prisoners than going somewhere where they actually might be criminalized even further. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I realized he kind of did commit a violent offense against himself by <laughs> paying people to beat him up. So I don't even, I don't even know anymore. You need to, you need to save him from himself. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I think we're going to go on to the next segment because yeah, we, sure. are, we are pressed for time here. Um, are there any questions? Um, are there any questions... Right now, I, th- I think that the right now the chat's ready to move on. Okay, cool. Um, um, so this next story, Cardi B, she is a rapess, rapperess. I don't know. Uh, she she does the rap music, hip hop. Um, I'm actually I, I've heard a few of her songs. I 
I think she's fine. She's also, uh, if you are familiar, I think she's the one who did that, like that tax rent. Where's my money? Sort of thing. No, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm anyway, not familiar. I'm that not that was hip. Her. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's in the news again, this time for more serious reasons. Apparently, a mm. live stream that she did, like, what, three years ago Yeah, three years ago in 2016. Is, is back in the news, and she has said some pretty concerning things. And we're going to show you a clip. We had to be very, very liberal with the bleeping because she, she has quite the mouth on her. Uh, definitely not daytime TV friendly. That's correct. And okay. So, I must have forgot my the that I did. So, what about like, I had to go straight. I had to go, oh, yeah, you want to me? Yeah, 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 let's go to this hotel. And I dropped up and I robbed them. That's what I used to do. Nothing was going to me, my nothing. So, First of all, thank you to our editor for, for the many hours it took to bleep that out. Yeah. Um, so what, I don't know if everyone got that, but essentially what it kind of sounds like she was she said was that she used to uh, tell men like, hey, let us have uh, intercourse and, you know, go, go back to their place, then drug and rob them, which is uh, very much illegal. Yes, not, not yeah, quite it is kosher. definitely. So um, now the hashtag surviving Cardi B is what's trending. Yeah, right? which is which actually how I found out about this story. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously a lot of people are shocked about this. Like, I mean, you're you're admitting that you've drugged and robbed people. Yeah. That's pretty serious. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you have a surprising amount of people going, oh, well, you know, she, she grew up in, a, in yeah. a rough area. She didn't really have any money, whatever, whatever. Um, if a male were to have like admitted to this like oh yeah i used to drug women and then rob them there would be like such a huge outcry and don't mm. get me wrong a lot of people are still really upset with her i don't want to make it seem like everyone's just turning uh turning the other way but i am shocked at the number of like stands she has of people who are still trying to stick up for her uh her apparent need to have drugged and robbed people yeah yeah, so... Um, I guess the argument that she brings up, though, and she brings up in her apology later, but uh, she says that male rappers do this kind of thing, you know? Uh, well, not, she... not drug and rape, yeah. no, but they kill people. They, they yeah. brag about all kinds of gangsterism, selling drugs, many illegal activities, well, let's, right? Well, let's bring up her apology now. And I say apology, it's not really an apology if, uh, like, we're, yeah. we're going to look at it and it's one of those, like, oh... Uh, I'm sorry you were offended type of apologies. Um, if we can mm. bring that up on the TriCaster. Uh, so she says, I'm seeing on social media that a live I did three years ago has popped back up. A live where I talked about things I had to do in my past, right or wrong, that I felt I needed to do to make a living. I never claimed to be a perfect, oh, sorry, to be perfect or come from a perfect world with a perfect past. I always speak my truth. I always own my own crap. I'm a part of a hip-hop culture where you can talk about where you come from, talk about the wrong things you had to do to get where you are. There are rappers that glorify murder, violence, drugs, and robbing, crimes they feel they had to do to survive. I never glorified the things I brought up in that live. I never even put those things in my music because I'm not proud of it and I feel a responsibility to not glorify it. I made the choices that I did at the time because I had very limited options. I was blessed to have been able to rise from that, but so many women have not. Whether or not they were poor choices at the time, I did what I had to do to survive. The men I spoke about in my live were men that I dated, that I was involved with, men that were conscious, willing, and aware. I have a past that I can't change. We all do. Mm. So that's like 
not really an apology. She's no. essentially saying like, I did bad things because I had to. It mm. is what it is. Um, so yeah, not a lot of contrition, which I think is definitely problematic when we're talking about drugging and robbing people. Yeah, and I think that that's weird because at the end she says the men I spoke about in my life were, were men that I dated, and, and which seems like aware. completely impossible given her statement. Yeah, right? you can't like, drug and rob someone who is conscious and aware. Yeah, Those she are like, she alleged that they wanted to pay. She was a stripper, and these people wanted to pay her for sex. Yeah, and then she drugged and robbed them. That I seems to be. In direct contradiction of what she yeah. says. And then here, she's but... admi admitting that she did bad things. And then yeah. she's like, no, but I didn't do it. But it's, I kind of sounds like even by your own account, you did do it. Mm -hmm. um, she, I'm not saying that this excuses anything she's done, but she brings up a good point, though, that all of hip hop culture, or at least a lot of it, rap culture, um, the lyrics, the lifestyle that's promoted, it is very crime ridden. Yeah. Not, uh, not the most meekest of people and i think it's it's not just like they're talking a big talk but a lot of rappers actually have like long rap sheets of, of things like being involved with drugs Pun intended. or yeah. <laughs> drugs or um you know weapons and things like that and uh you know i, I think she might have a point that we yes i don't know if that's the, the point she was trying to make but i think we are overall too I don't know, complicit in just letting oh, rappers be no. terrible. I think you're saying there's a double standard. Yeah, but, there's but also that I, too. I, I agree that there's a double standard. Yeah. And I would say that the, the problem isn't that we're vilifying her actions. The problem is we're that not we're vilifying not vilifying the vilifying. other actions. No. Right. I mean, yeah. I, I guess there's only so much energy that humans can have because there, there's so much of this stuff out yeah, there. Yeah, and you'd be uh, just like, you know, all all day, especially yes, with yeah. like rappers. Um, but that, that, I mean... That kind of brings the question of, like, do we forgive her and move on? Because, like, we're kind of seeing that a lot where people's pasts are coming back to bite them. Uh, you know, usually it's mm -hmm. in the form of tweets, not necessarily assault and, and robbery. Um, yeah. So do you think this is in any way similar to the James Gunn situation where people are digging up stuff from the past? No. Uh, and that's the thing, like, on the, I'm trying to be consistent, and on the show I have kind of taken the approach that, like, people change, people develop and grow, and especially when we're talking about some something someone said. Like, it's so yes, easy to yeah, say something yeah. stupid, and I don't think that should be held over someone forever. But, okay, first thing, this is a lot more serious. We're talking about drugging and robbing people, <laughs> so that's, like, a whole other level. Yeah. Second, she doesn't seem sorry. No. <laughs> Doesn't. It's hard to forgive someone who's not repentant. Yeah, well, I do have, do have a question though, and that is, it's a tough one. But do we do we have sympathy for men who solicit prostitution and then get played? You know. Yeah. Um. But okay, here's the thing. Even the way she's saying it, the way she describes it from that very articulate live that she did, um, it kind of seems like she was with clients who were watching her strip, and then she was like, "Hey, we're gonna have sex." I don't. Where was that? kind of her pretending that she was going to charge them for sex or was she pretending it would be consensual? Because maybe they didn't even think they were soliciting prostitution because I know a lot of guys mm -hmm. who go see strippers may actually think that the stripper is into them. Yeah, that's which true. Which is, guys, probably not. But, you know, nah. that does change things. But, you know, even then, even if a guy is soliciting a prostitute who is, like, willing hmm. to exchange that service for money, I don't think that that means it's okay that they get drugged and robbed. Like okay. I, they're probably yeah. That's fair. not going to, you know, garner as much sympathy as drowning puppies or anything like that, but it's still a crappy thing to have happen to mm -hmm. them. Now, yeah. what do you think about the surviving Cardi B uh, trend? Do you think that that's a kind of a false equivalency to the R. Kelly yeah, stuff? So, do you think that that's a bit of a meme? 
I mean, I think it's funny. Yeah. I got a good chuckle out of it. I retweeted it. Uh, definitely enjoyed that. But I mean, two things can be bad while one is worse than the other. And obviously when we're talking about R. Kelly and the fact that it was underage girls, I think a lot of the time, I think it is it yeah. is worse. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't want to... And he's actually sexually abusing them. Yeah. Like, you know, he's not I mean, just robbing them. We don't know exactly what happened with the, Yeah, sorry, the allegedly. Yeah. Like, oh. No, oh, or even with, with R. Kelly, yeah. yeah. But yeah. whatever. This is all allegedly... No one sue us, please. Um, <sighs> no, I mean, I think it is still pretty bad, though, to drug and mm. rob somebody. And in, in fact, I will say that you, you haven't seen this yet, but we do have another video insert, and um, it does involve Cardi B and talking about drugging men. So okay. here, we're going to play the next... I haven't seen this. The next video. I'm hoping that it's bleeped out if necessary. It is, it is bleeped. Are okay. you ready, Shane? I'm be that guy... I'm going to take him out. We're going to get drunk. I'm going to get him all perked up and everything. We're going to have a good time. Get him super twisted. Then bring around. We're going to have a threesome. And when he wake up, he's going to be like, what the f***? Yeah, because the was a tranny. I'm going to be like, yup. Yup, we had a threesome with a tranny. Yup. Yup, a tranny suck your dick. You don't got to another to get even. There's other ways to get even. What the heck? <laughs> she's like the worst oh my gosh that's pretty good um I, again i don't know how much sympathy i have for guys that cheat but that's probably that's next level that's that's a next level uh you know yeah it's a dangerous thing for her to do yeah frankly. i don't know the whole like drugging people or like getting them drunk that seems to be a theme with her so far which like that's not okay like just because it's a yes. guy like that's like i Absolutely mean not. getting someone drunk and then having them engaged in a gay engage in sexual acts that they wouldn't otherwise some might say that's a little bit kind of rapey behavior wow a little bit yeah yeah that's just like that's so messed up okay so any sympathy i may may have felt for her officially gone now that's also she likes she said i mean i don't i don't want to upset anyone but she said quote tranny right yeah, she did. Are, are people upset about that? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of like. There's not the first time too that the trans community. She had some other problems with them, oh. but uh, yeah, she's spicy individual. Yeah, I think once she said something along along the lines of she doesn't vibe with queer folk. Good. Um, Accepting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's Cardi B for you. Uh, we do need to move on though, so okay, we're gonna sure. take we're gonna take a super chat here. Um, this is from Miles Kinslow. Hey guys. Are there any sane leftist YouTubers? Just watched the Young Turks and wanted to shoot myself. Yes, they are. They are quite a thing. Um, so someone, I think our first episode, someone asked a similar question, like, yeah. who are good leftist YouTubers? And I mentioned Tim Pool, and someone in the comment section then said that, you know, Tim is on the left, and if you watch his videos, you know he is. He talks yeah. about how he supported Bernie Sanders, still supports those policies, less keen on the actual guy himself now. Um, but, but basically that person said that, saying Tim Pool in a response to a question like that, it's almost like, uh, you know, a, a liberal saying their favorite conservative is like Bill Kristol or Anna Navarro or someone who only ever picks on the right. So it's like, okay, fair enough. Um, people who I, I think are very rational, reasonable, who are on the left and actually, you know, talk more about why leftist ideals are good rather than critiquing the extremist parts uh, of their ideology are people like, I think, uh, David Pakman does a good job. He's R rational mm -hmm. um i think he's he's reasonable i don't agree with him but if you're if you're going to watch somebody for a different perspective i think he's a good way to go uh kyle kalinsky i follow him on twitter now i haven't watched too too many of his videos but from everything i've heard about him he's another one of those people who's um you know pretty 
Again, I don't want to say moderate because he's definitely very far on the left, but he's not this like raging identitarian ideologue and things yeah. like that. Um, and, you know, from stuff I've seen on Twitter, he's very like anti-war, which I am as well. I definitely appreciate that. And um, this is like kind of different. It's it's not necessarily political content because she does things like um, video essays critiquing different media, but she definitely has, I think, a progressive point of view. Uh, Sarah Z is a YouTuber that if you're into like nerd culture and fandom, she does videos about like Harry Potter. Um, what else has she done? Um, I think she reviewed a series on fortunate events and she talks about stuff like diversity in media and, and queer baiting and things like that. Uh, but from a very reasonable perspective, even though I think she is an advocate for social justice. So hmm. yeah, those are my recommends. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we got a little bit of time left. We're, we're going to touch on the last uh, segment. Okay. And then we're going to get on to uh, speaking with Gavin McGinnis. Um, so, okay, next up, this is, this is, okay. You guys are going to want to take some deep breaths, like center yourself. Stress isn't good for you. It's, it's a killer, you know, um, kind of worried for myself considering that this is my job. And I just like literally sometimes just look for the most like outrageous articles and make myself upset. But, um, Canada, uh, for a while now, we've known that they're pretty far down the rabbit hole in terms of, you know, advocating this special trans ideology and not just, you know, offering people protection under the law, making sure that, you know, that resources are available if people, uh, you know, are suicidal or, or being abused or anything like that. But like actually, you know, Bill, was it C-16? Yes. Uh, you know, that kind of propelled Jordan Peterson to fame. Like, that's something that happened in Canada, wanting to potentially, the way the law was written, actually make it illegal for you to use the wrong pronouns for someone. Right. Um, we've also had, I think, in BC, measures introduced that would, uh, it, it seems like, add, um, like, gender identity to protected class for children, meaning that the door is open for parents losing their children if, uh, you know, if they don't approve of the child's gender identity. Um, now we have a story. This is from Nova Scotia. So that's like the eastern side of Canada for my American and German, whatever, non-Canadian friends. Um, these are some screenshots that were posted to Twitter. Screenshots, rather, mobile phone pictures that were taken of questionable yeah, quality. Definitely. Hopefully we can do our best reading them. Um this is this is a textbook called Transphobia Deal With It. Um, I don't know if it's a textbook or a pamphlet. We don't really get a good idea of exactly how big it is. Um, but apparently this was shown to people in grade 7, um, who I think, what, 12 to 13 years old? Um, yeah, it was grade 8 in the end. Yeah, yeah. Oh, in, sorry, grade uh, 8 in, in the end. In Newfoundland, I um, and or Nova Scotia. Nova yeah, Scotia. Nova Scotia. And we're going to, like, just... Let's read this a little bit. Again, some of the text is cut off, which is unfortunate. But um, in gym class, the girls' track team is arguing with the coach. He's not a real girl, one of the sprinters yells. It's unfair to have him try out for our team when he is stronger and faster. Um, and then another example listed is two big guys stand shoulder to shoulder in front of the door so he can't get past. They tell him that since he's, I'm assuming that says only dress like a boy, he has to go somewhere else. What's going on here? Both are examples of transphobia. Transphobia is based on a series of ideas many people have about, I'm guessing, sex and gender, about people being boys and girls. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty shocking that this would be in a 
in a book given to 12 and 13 year olds. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a quiz that we're going to go through really fast. It's like a little true or false checklist to see we're whether you're transphobic. We're going to find out if you are transphobic today. Yeah, yeah. You're, whether we're transphobic. Let's take a look-see, look shall we? Keep in mind as we're reading this, this is for 12 and 13 year olds. This is what the Canadian school system uh, is defining as transphobic. Um, are the following statements true or false? Spoiler, guys, if any of these are true, that's kind of like the transphobic answer. Um, I think there are only two genders and you're born into one or the other. Oh, that that popular mm. transphobic trope. What are you going to do? Um, Darn science. Yep. Uh, four, interesting. I don't think it's possible for people to be a gender other than male or female. That's right. Uh, insisting on a gender binary. Super, super transphobic. Um, I think that toys and clothing can be categorized as boys and girls. You bigot. Absolutely just unacceptable. Uh, number seven, I try to conform to gender stereotypes. How How is personally trying to conform to gender stereotypes transphobic? All right. Um, I think it's okay to make fun of people who don't conform to gender stereotypes. Okay, I don't think it's okay to make fun of people, so mm -hmm. I would agree with that one. Right. Um, I like number 12. Yeah, 12. I've been accused of transphobia. Oh, well, if you've been accused of transphobia. Then you are transphobic. Yeah, probably are transphobic. Um, 13. I think the sight of a man in a dress is funny. How dare these 12 slash 13 year olds think that the sight of a man in a dress is funny? Just heaping, heaping transphobes. And at 14. I have laughed at jokes about trans people. That's, yeah. Um, and it, wait, there's more. We're going to just do a couple more of these. Um, not wanting to use they or them as a pronoun for one person. Another sign of your transphobia. Um, here we go. I challenge anyone I think might be in the wrong washroom for their sex. All right. If you're okay, young ladies, if you're in the bathroom and you see like this big burly dude hiding in the corner, you, you better just mind your own business. Cause he's clearly, she's clearly a trans woman just trying to do her thing. Um, there's just random 20. I have the right to judge other people. <laughs> just like, okay. Um, what else? Uh, 22. I don't think trans women should be able to compete in women's sports. Mm, yeah, that's, that's going to come up. Okay. I mean, wow. Um, 24. I think that people who are transitioning should always take hormones. That's okay. Like weirdly specific. Um, 28. If I see or hear people being transphobic, I don't do or say anything. Oh, so now mm. just being complicit in the right. transphobia. If is... you don't stop bullying, you are the bully. Exactly. Um, 29, I don't think we should be learning about sex and gender in school. That makes you trans, that's a sign yeah. of your transphobia, not wanting to learn about trans issues in school, transphobic. 30, I think there are more trans people because kids are learning about sex and gender too young. Wow. And, uh, that's actually, we've, we've done an, a video about mm. rapid onset gender dysphoria, which actually takes a look at that specifically, the idea of yes. uh, gender dysphoria as like a social contagion. And actually it kind of seems like there's something to that. So essentially that, and also, you know, the idea that there are more than two genders, if you don't believe that you're transphobic, it kind of seems like, um, the school, the school hates science, just like super, uh, super against science mm. here, which is pretty, pretty concerning. And what's frustrating to me about this is that you know if you just based your opinion on canada from these sorts of headlines that you see about bill c-16 um you know gender protection for children this school book you would think that the population of canada are just the biggest raging social justice warriors yeah you would gender ideologues 
that is so not the average Canadian's point of view. Like the average Canadian, I mean, I'm not going to say like they're conservative, but they're they're definitely not like on this far left gender ideologue train. They they are yeah. not. This is not representative of what the average Canadian wants. And what's I think upsetting for me personally is that we have a, a small group of people who aren't representative of the rest of, of Canadians, but they've managed to insert themselves into positions of power mm. um, where they're able to to make changes like this. It's crazy how efficient they've been, yeah. honestly. It's insane. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, I think we're we're running out of time for this one. We'll, yeah. we'll check the super we'll, uh, chats we'll out. Do, we'll do some chats, and then uh, we'll get to the Gavin interview. And by the way, guys, um, just if you're watching this live, I don't think we're going to do... We're not going to do a Q&A with Gavin. Um, but if you stay tuned for after the interview, we will do... Uh, take some more questions if you guys have them for the after show. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's one super chat from Andrew Lucas. Have any of these changes to policy slash culture made a measurable effect? Heard the claim suicide rate is high. Has it been lowered since all these changes? As far as I can tell, there's not been any change in suicide rates. I haven't heard anything about it. If there has been, um, maybe anyone watching this later can correct us in the comments. Um, but I, I think something like that, even if we are to assume that, you know, if we were just nicer and more accepting to trans people, the suicide rate would drop. I would assume that would take at least a few years to kind of manifest itself. Um but in terms of whether we've seen a change in the culture, I mean, I'm, I feel like among my peer group who is my age, especially among my female friends, like this, this type of thinking is very common. Like it's, they've drank the Kool-Aid. I don't know how else to put it. Um, mm. Again, like they're right now in university mainly, which is kind of like where the hub of this conversation is happening. Yeah. Um, I, I think probably if you're talking about like older Canadians or even anyone who's just like out of university, there's probably not going to be much of a change for them. I agree with that. Yeah. All right. One more quick question. It's from Anna's original remix. Do you think that trans people should be on the sports teams of their preferred gender? No. Yeah. I, I think the only reason we have separate teams for sports is to give women a chance because if we were just like, Hey, everybody compete together just biologically women would not be able to keep up and I'm I'm okay with admitting that um like you know Liam and me for example this may may shock some of you I probably wouldn't win in an arm wrestle probably I mean like 70 30 um and and so w when people talk about oh you should be able to compete on whatever team you want they're not they're not doing it for um, any sort of like adherence to science because science says even if you, you know, start taking hormone blockers and if you're transitioning from male to female, that the changes your body went through in puberty, mm -hmm. um, like just your, your body shape, your bone structure, that already will give you an edge. Even if you, you, you take, you know, hormone blockers and start taking estrogen, you, you're still going to have an advantage over the biological females. Um, I understand that if you are a trans person, not being able to compete in the gender of your preference for the sport of your choice is is not ideal but sports like, aren't a right yeah competing in sports is is not a human right and actually uh someone mentioned this on twitter uh jan or jan jan he's norwegian i'm sorry if, uh, if i'm mispronouncing your name um he mentioned that maybe trans people should have like a special olympics for trans athletes yeah um, i don't see why and I, I think that's that's a great idea because you know i want people to be able to pursue their hobbies but at the same time Biological males are always going to be stronger than biological females. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I think, are we good? 
Uh, yeah, we're good. Why don't we just get into the message from our sponsors? Yes. Then... Um, so we actually have a sponsor. We're going to be getting into the Gavin McGinnis interview in just a second. But first, I want to thank our sponsors, uh, The Film Unplanned. Now, this movie has been making a lot of ways. If, if you're, I guess, on Twitter, you've seen a lot of people already that were at the premiere, saw it, said they loved it. And uh, this is a film that's actually... It's gone through a little bit of controversy as well because I don't know how many of you guys know this, but the MPAA, uh, the, I guess, board that delivers the ratings for different films, whether it's PG-13 or R, they actually gave this film an R rating, which a lot of people don't think was deserved. And they're, they're kind of convinced that the only reason this film was given an R is because they're trying to convince maybe like Christians who aren't comfortable with R-rated films to not see it and also to prevent younger I guess younger adults or even teens from seeing it, which is too bad because they're really the population that this film is, of course, about abortion. Um, you know, the, the teens are the ones who really need to see this movie to become more aware of the consequences and realities of abortion. Um, and just really quick, uh, if you're not familiar with the plot, it's about Abby Johnson. Um, she's had two abortions and used to work for Planned Parenthood. She was a staunch pro-choice person, um, so much so that even her mother, her husband, they would try to talk to her about it and she just, you know, wouldn't hear them. Like, nope, pro-choice. Um, she rose quickly through the ranks of Planned Parenthood and eventually became the director of the clinic where she worked. Uh, but that'll change one day when she was called in to assist with an abortion and what she witnessed would change her life forever. So the, the film Unplanned is a story about her life. Um, it's, it's an eye-opening look about the realities of the abortion industry from someone who used to be one of its biggest supporters. Um, so if you're interested in checking that out, you can go to unplannedfilm.com. That is unplannedfilm.com. It's in theaters this Friday. So unplannedfilm.com. Um, you're going to want to check this out. Yeah, and uh, I think we're good. And uh, we're going to just be a, a quick, quick second. And when we we'll come back, we're going to have the Gavin McInnes interview. Hey, Gavin, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I haven't seen you in a long time. I know. It feels like it's been a... I think the last time I saw you was maybe when we were doing CRTV Tonight, and you had me wear a burqa. <laughs> yeah. Well, you were regular on my show, and then when we were both on CRTV, it didn't make sense to have you as a guest because people can already see you on Roaming Millennial, and then I was prominently dismissed from your our alma mater. Yes. And now I'm just... A satellite floating well, through space. Well, if anybody is watching this right now and hasn't done so already, you can subscribe to Gavin. You're you're on YouTube now at Gavin McGinnis, and I see you've got quite the hefty sub count going. So so good for you. I'm glad that you're still making these videos because I love them. I'm not making them. That's all CRTV stuff. That's all old stuff. CRTV was kind enough to give me my hard drives with all my stuff. So just to sort of stay in the public eye, I sort of fart out a video a day without the logo of the company and uh, do my podcast. I've got defendgavin.com for this lawsuit. And then I, I'm back with Rebel. I'm doing a site called nohate.com where, uh, or sorry, I'm not doing a site. My brother, Miles, is doing a site <laughs> called nohate.com. And I'm going to launch a new show in a, the next couple months that'll just basically be what I was, what I was doing um, at CRTV, which is a daily talk show and then a a fancy pants talk show like the one you were on. Mm -hmm. So it all comes full circle at the end. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about your whole defend Gavin thing right now. Because for, for anyone who maybe isn't caught up, uh, you are apparently quite the extremist, just a rabid 
white nationalist. Um, would you mind talking a little bit about why you, you feel entitled to sue the good people at the Southern Poverty Law Center who are just trying to, <laughs> trying to let people know about the dangers of your views? Yeah, you know, I had a funny thought the other day. I was sort of leaving a bar and I was wondering if they were talking about me after I left, as one does. And uh, I thought it would be funny if they said, oh, that's Gavin. Yeah, he's our local racist. And if if there was like a, a black supremacist or a Jewish supremacist uh, who came to a bar, I think people would say that and it would be kind of endearing. <laughs> but uh, white supremacist is the worst thing in the world. I'm not one of those. But if I was, why couldn't that be a thing? Like, why are people so threatened by that? Anyway, that's a silly tangent. The The... The accusation is that I'm a white nationalist and the Proud Boys are a white nationalist gang. And uh, the, the SPLC has been pushing this since we got Trump elected. And they really ramped it up after I did this talk where I praised uh, Otoya Yamaguchi for assassinating a Japanese socialist in, I believe, 1963. So there was obviously some tongue-in-cheek to that, uh, that ceremony. But that's when things went really crazy. Anyway, they got me kicked off of all social media, PayPal, um, ostracized in my community. They got me fired from uh, my job. They just made me into this pariah with this incredible push. I mean, there was a sign on the highway by my house saying Gavin McInnes is a Nazi. They, they posted my kid's school. They, they didn't stop. And, and, and the venue where I did the talk was vandalized with the locks glued and and all kinds of threats. And then the, the Antifa ambushed some Proud Boys who were leaving my talk, and the Proud Boys fought back. They're, three of them are facing serious jail time because of this. So they got the, the, the media involved, they got Antifa involved, they got the DNC involved, the mayor, the attorney general, uh, the governor, and the prosecutors, judges. I mean, it really is a tsunami of, of prevention, of censorship. And so I thought, well, I can afford it, um, I got nothing to lose. Let's fight back. You know, they, they attack my wife and my kids, too, and, and that works sometimes in war. But sometimes, as, as in with the American Revolution, um, it just pisses off the person more. So I got to a level of, of pissed off where I said I have to fight back. And I don't know why no one's reporting about this. I'm already winning. Like, I, I filed the complaint, which you can find online. And then shortly after, they said, <laughs> this is a joke. I'm not even scared. Um, and then uh, uh, Richard Cohen, the president, said, this guy's a total dick, and it's good that he's suing us because it shows how cool we are. And then he right. listed some things I had said out of context that were easily defendable, including one of them was, uh, Richard Spencer sounds kind of reasonable when you first meet him. Yeah, what's the matter with that? I'm, I'm, sure, every, I'm sure Jeffrey Dahmer sounds reasonable when you first meet him. In fact, my point was the opposite. Like, no one says Oprah Winfrey is kind of reasonable when you first meet her. Anyway, um, and then they asked for a delay for 60 days. And I'm told behind the scenes that within there, a lot of people had their nose to the grindstone and sort of looked up when they got my complaint and said, wait, what's been going on? And then another group there, a, a lot of black people at the Southern Poverty Law Center, saw, thought this is a great opportunity to showcase the fact that we hate it here that it's racist here, we get treated like crap, that, that the top brass are creeps, we get sexually harassed. And so, after this first domino of the complaint, we had Morris Dees, the founder, quit. We had Richard Cohen, the guy I was just talking about, who said, he, I'm a dick, 
and I'm paraphrasing, uh, he quit. And then we had their head of legal, Rhonda Brownstein, go, I'm out. This is, I don't know what the hell you guys have been doing, but Gavin's right, basically. Uh, I'm gone. And so the lawsuit's barely begun, and it's already going gangbusters. Yeah, and this, I mean, this isn't the first time that the SPLC has encountered this kind of thing for kind of pretty much slandering people. I mean, if anyone's been keeping up, Majid Nawaz won a substantial settlement against them. And with these people, I just, you know, there are people that I don't like that I think have extremist views, like specific figures. I think Tariq Nasheed is pretty out there. I would never, like, imagine doing to him what people have done to you, even if what they say about you is true. Like, I would never try to target his family. I would never put up a billboard of him, uh, you know, calling him a whatever supremacist near his kid's school. What is wrong with these people that they're not content to just, you know, spread lies on the internet and then try to make fun of you where they're actually, they need to destroy you entirely in real life? Like, what? What because makes I'm charming. Do that? Because I'm funny. Because I'm effective. You'll notice they don't. They they're not out to 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 ban Richard Spencer or David Duke. No. They're only two guys that everyone keeps referencing. Every time they talk about the scourge that is white nationalism, they have Charlottesville, David Duke, Richard Spencer on a loop. They don't never they never talk about Islam. They never talk about the West Side Highway or Pulse or Fort Hood. But I think the reason that they were really out to get me is because I red pilled too many people. And you're dangerous for that same reason. Paul Joseph Watson is dangerous for that same reason. Kanye West is the, the, the paragon of that danger. And I think that I, I wouldn't be surprised if the reason he sort of went, uh, I'm not doing politics anymore. I think he got his life threatened because everything you can say about me being too um, appealing and too effective is a hundredfold with Kanye West. That was very, very bad for the left because their whole cachet is that the right is racist and evil. Yeah. And when fun guys who have a hipster background who started Vice and want to just party and make jokes and also say, yeah, I don't like big government, that's very, very dangerous to them because it means lost votes. So the DNC went into overdrive, and the SPLC was happy to sort of provide that, that machine. I mean, they really, like, there's, if the hatred is gasoline, then the, the, the DNC, the Antifa, they all have gas. But the machine, the engine, is the SPLC. That's the thing that talks to banks and gets Martina Mercota, Enrique Terrio, Laura Loomer, uh, Joe Biggs kicked off of Chase. They're the ones who get people deplatformed from Facebook and, and all these other social media sites. They're the ones who get people fired for being a member of an alleged hate group. Uh, they're really the sort of the fulcrum of this totalitarianism. And it's amazing how effective they've been despite being so incompetent. And it's also effective how sort of flippant they are. If you're going to replace the Magna Carta and create your own laws, then you'd think you'd be very thorough and sort of severe and erudite and have lawyer talk. But they have titles on their blog that say things like, you want bigots, Gavin? This is how we got bigots. So it's it's basically, you know, the cash me outside girl. Yeah, <laughs> she's basically the one calling the shots and ruining people's lives. And I think that has led to so much um, quitting and, and anger within the SPLC because they, they look at these complaints and they go, why do we have the cash me outside girl running the show? Why is she ruining lives? Well, I think you make a good point. And it's funny because 
for for all the hate that people like you and Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro get, you would think that actual and self-avowed white nationalists would be going through like that, but 10 times. But if you actually look at, like you mentioned, Richard Spencer, David Duke, um, Greg Johnson, who's I think like New Right America or whatever it is, they, they barely get any attention giving, given to them by these people who are supposedly out to defeat the racists and things like that. And if you look at where they spend their attention, like, I mean, these places like Right Wing Watch, Jared Holt, my old buddy, um, they, they spend time taking down like you know, anti-SJW, anti-feminist YouTubers or commentators, whatever, they don't actually go after people, you know, the Stormfront guys, right? I mean, it's, they, they spend almost zero time talking about the actual white nationalists. I mean, like all those guys, they're still on Twitter. Um, yeah, and it's just, it's funny how for people who apparently hate that ideology so much, they tend to leave it alone. Pretty shocking amount. But I mean, we, we, we're coming out of, you know, obviously Christchurch, which was awful. And before that, there was also the Pittsburgh shooter where there, there is evidence that these people were kind of, I don't know if radicalized online is what happened specifically, but they were in, involved in some like internet cultures that were actually um, racist. Where, where do you think that stuff is coming from then? If it's clearly not you guys, you know, not the Petersons, the, the Shapiros of the world, then where is that coming from? There is not a pattern of hate on the rise. That is a myth. There is not a pattern of anti-Semitism on the rise. That is also a myth. Yes, the FBI has recorded a drastic increase. That doesn't mean there's a drastic increase. If there was two mass shootings this year and zero mass shootings the year before, then the number of mass shootings is, is infinitely growing. Two is, 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 is a lot more than zero. So they have all these new agencies reporting on it because it's good business. Um, they have all these new hate crimes because they want to make Trump look bad. And so they conflate all that and say it's drastically on the rise. But you, when you look at the actual cases, you see that it's, it's more like this, you know, the slight ups and downs that have been normal for centuries. There's, there's not hate on the rise. And I don't think people get radicalized online. 90% of mass shootings are someone who is suicidal and wants to maximize the impact. The tiny percentage of times, I think it's less than 10%, um, maybe 8%, where it's political, it's usually Muslim. It's 4 to 5% are Muslim. Sometimes, maybe 2%, it's Christian. As far as white supremacist goes, you're going below 2%. So to, to analyze all of this and, and look at those two horrific shootings as indicative of a pattern, it's just wrong. And the left loves to do it, and the Southern Poverty Law Center loves to do it. And I, I look at their sort of hate maps and all of this stuff, and they're so obsessed with Nazis. And I go, where's Islam? Mm -hmm. Where's Jihad? In fact, they have the gall to say that white supremacist killings in America are more than Islamicists, uh, than jihadist killings. And you sort of, you sit around at home and you go, you list them all on your hand, like Dylan Roof is a, hor a horrific racist shooting. Pittsburgh, obviously. I'm not sure we can include New Zealand. Are we doing global now? We better not do global because you're going to have a lot Islam's of Christians. going to take the cake for that. In Africa. Yeah, you're going to have the, the Christians being murdered in northern Iraq. You're going to have ch Christian children literally crucified. So I would stay away from the globe if you want to make your point that white supremacy is this, this impending uh, threat to America. But it's 
it's just disturbing to me that uh, that they can ignore jihad, especially in the name of anti-Semitism. If there's one group that is the most at threat from jihad and radical extremism, it's Jews. And all you have to do to see that is look at Europe. Look at Paris with Juif written on the cars, or that guy who wore a yarmulke around uh, northern Paris with a camera following him. I mean, we, we've got your best interests in mind, um, Jewish people, but you're just obsessed with these, these loser Nazis, of whom there are how many? How many bona fide Nazis are there? What about Charlottesville? That was basically all of them, and that was, what, 200 yeah. in a country of... 360 million? Why are we talking about them all the time? Well, I think it's it's really cruel what the media is actually doing to people with this focus on white supremacists because like they've done polls. A good amount of people are actually convinced that white supremacy is a major problem in the United States. And for those people who are living in a world where apparently that's true, that must be terrifying. And it's it's just yeah. there it's a huge abuse of the power that the media has in having people's trust to just lie like that and make them believe that the, you know, brown coats are just like a, a second away from banging down their door. Uh, it's it's really quite awful. But you know, you you mentioned the M word, so bye bye any chance for monetization that this video had. But let's let's talk about that a little bit more because obviously, um, anytime there's an Islamic terror attack, especially ones in Europe, a lot of people like to bring up the question like, okay. Maybe we need to cool it with this mass migration thing. And it's always, oh, no, no, like it's just you know, one person. This has nothing to do with Islam, blah, blah, blah. You're a racist if you say anything. Okay. Um, fast forward to the Christchurch suit shooting, and all of a sudden this shooter is very much indicative of the entirety of the right wing, right? A little bit of a double standard there. And we actually had even Chelsea Clinton, who is by no means a member of the right, uh, being being kind of... I don't know, yelled at by this one individual because she she dared speak up about anti-Semitism uh, from Ilana Moore. How are we supposed to like begin to talk about this where there's this huge double standard? We can't even mention the, the phrase Islamic terrorism without being called a bigot. But then anytime a white person commits a crime, which is awful, obviously condemn, condemn um, it, it. It's indicative of everybody on that side. Like how how can we even begin to have this conversation? great question. I mean, you have to avoid being fired. You have to avoid being kicked out of school. You are not allowed to criticize Islam in America. Ilhan Omar can criticize Israel all she wants, and it's amusing. And you have Bernie Sanders supporting her criticism of Israel. But to criticize Islam, you know, we had Judge, Judge Janine Pirro who said, isn't her hijab kind of showing that she has an allegiance to Sharia? And isn't an allegiance to Sharia uh, a violation of your allegiance to the Constitution. There's not, there's few doctrines more unconstitutional than Sharia law, but she's not allowed to do that. Uh, I would say, if your job is tenuous, shut your mouth. Right. I would say you need this diploma, and I don't know why you do. Shut your mouth. Uh, I can afford to speak the truth, and I'm happy to sue anyone who who shuts me down. But if you're too vulnerable. I wouldn't bring it up. It's too taboo. It's it's wrong to bring up. And, and I would even add, Islam in America is not a threat. Uh, it, it's If you look at the grand scheme of things, then it, it's definitely the leading terrorist threat. 
But as far as your life, you're not that likely to be killed by a terrorist. Now, I think it's very different in parts of London. Mm -hmm. I think it's putting downtown London. I, I, I honestly think Britain might be lost. I think uh, Scotland might be lost. I think Belgium is lost. I think Germany is lost. I think Spain is under duress. Uh, France is done. I think Italy is fighting back. Hungary is fighting back. Brazil is fighting back. There's still hope for those countries, but they have a much better case to present. The reason I talk about Islam in America and Canada is it has the potential to be a threat. When, when the Muslim population gets over 10%, they tend not to want to assimilate. And so I want to bring it up. And I guess to answer your question, the short version is when people bring up all these other tragedies, just say, what about the West Side Highway? Like, why can nobody, including me, by the way, why can nobody mention any of the victims of the West Side Highway? That was in the news for one day, and it was forgotten. Or Nice. How, how long was Nice in the news? Maybe two days? How many people saw the picture of that dead child with her, her dolly or her stuffed animal lying next to her? That, that didn't get the attention it deserved because it made people uncomfortable. And this goes back to something you were asking earlier. Why... Then don't these things get, get uh, dealt with? Because the news is fashion. For so many of us, it's just what's the trend here? Not the truth, not the body count, not the bona fide threat, but who's the in bad guy? And the in bad guy are Western males, white males, partic particularly a certain type of white male, like the Covington High School kids. That was the perfect guy, the Chad. The, the successful, middle-class, um, healthy, young, white male. That's their perfect enemy. It's a very unique demographic to focus on. It's like focusing on Canadian half-Asian chicks. But for some reason, they focus on that. Maybe you're next. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I feel like whenever people go after, you know, the let's say the Covington people or, or you, it is, I mean... You're more symbols of any than anything else, right? Symbols of everything they hate. You know, you're white, Christian, male, whatever. Um, and there's just so much resentment and bitterness. And I like we're working on a video about reparations, and I'm kind of looking into the arguments for and against. And the people who are are like, there's you would have sworn that they were personally victimized by like every Christian, white, straight male by the way that they talk about. It. There's just so much hatred and bitterness there and it's really depressing to see like sometimes I'll peruse woke Twitter and it it bums me out because there's like there's a, a vitriol there that I mean it is extreme and I don't well I don't know what to do about it blacks aren't doing well in America and I think you and I and conservatives know the reason the reason is welfare the mm -hmm. reason is incentivizing Fatherless the homes. destruction of the black family, right. telling black women that they shouldn't be married and it'll be better. We'll give you money if you dump that guy and you raise the kids on your own. Once you lose the father, you lose the fabric of society. And that community is now down to uh, three and four children born out of wedlock. And that's destroyed them. But the left goes, no, I don't like using that, uh, that fact. Um, I'd rather just say it was racism. And that's how I'll explain the mass incarceration, the the bad test scores, the poverty. I'll, I'll explain it through racism, which is not true, especially in 2019. So they just put all their eggs in that basket. And then, then they start getting pissed off. And they go, hey, Covington Catholic school boys, why did you ruin that black kid's life? Why did you put that black kid in jail? And 
the injustice makes them furious. And so they take it out on these on these kids. <coughs> and they take it out on old white men, too, and say, you know, uh, they ruined this country and I'm sick of the founding fathers and I'm sick of dead presidents on my money. You know, and another factor, too, might be daddy issues in general. And this is with white people. I, I think uh, I think young liberals are mad at their dad for leaving their mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that gives them these daddy issues. And that's why they hate Trump, because he's such the dad. He's like a proud, you know, mean dad who doesn't care about your feelings and says, shut up and get up. And they resent that guy for leaving their mom. And I'll tell you what. There might be some justification there. I mean, if if someone abandoned their family and and this massive divorce epidemic we've had since the 80s, I kind of understand you having daddy issues. I kind of understand you having deep-seated resentment for people who look like your dad. It's not logical, yeah, but well, I get it. I was watching uh, the interview that you did with 1791. Love, love that channel. Great guys. Um, really good interview. If anyone watching this hasn't seen it, go check it out. Um, and you, you mentioned divorce. And actually, that's something like we're also working on a video about harassment. And, and I talk about divorce. And, you know, obviously, I think any guy that leaves their family, they just walks out on their kids, you're a piece of dirt, right? Um, but, you know, I think in this conversation, what we, you know, we love to talk about absent fathers, but we don't really talk about the fact, and you mentioned this in that interview, most divorce proceedings are initiated by women, right? 70%. Right, yeah. that, which, is, which is huge. And it's like, I, I agree with you, this, you can't really stress enough the importance of the family unit when it comes to culture, politics, economic prosperity, whatever. And it's like, from both sides, like, men are failing women and women are failing men. And it's like, it's led to this generation of people who are angry. They don't know how to interact with the opposite sex. That's why there's like, there's men who don't know how to treat women right, street harassment, creepos, whatever, angry feminists who hate all men. It's just like, it's, it's this huge mess. And I don't know how, how long it might be before we start to fix that. Even if everyone right now was like, okay, I promise to be a good parent, have healthy relations with, you know, the opposite sex and everything like that. It'd still be a while before we start to fix this, it feels like. Yeah, there's so many things going on at once that it it might be irreparable. For example, we've been raised to not deal with uh, hardships. Mm. Um, Every time something is going wrong, we just abandon it. I quit. I need a mental health day. Uh, This is too hard. I mean, millennials quit every day in droves. And I don't think young people today, or even my generation, Gen X, understands that a marriage can have a bad year. You know, if you move to China, not you, but <laughs> if someone non-Chinese moved to China, you got to learn that language, that culture. The food is gross. The, the first food year is, is going to hey, suck. The food is delicious. No, the food is delicious. Well, Zero political freedoms, but they got good food. That's how they get people to say. I'm sorry, Roaming. I, I do enjoy eating a centipede <laughs> and a goat's eye. It is high protein, tr- low in fat. It, it is good for the environment. Just a dead turtle in water. And then maybe some diced up dog. All right. Let's eat some dog while we're there. Chinese, bonafide Chinese food in mainland China is so gross that if I keep talking about it, I'm going to puke. Okay. Szechuan food is delicious. We, it's delicious. Even like big, like even in Chinatown here in New York, you just walk by a giant barrel of frogs. Just a barrel of frogs. <laughs> That's what food. French people on? eat frogs too. Yeah, well, they deep fry them and make them palatable. You guys just like eat a frog. 
Well, okay, we're now we're arguing about cooking techniques, but continue. Yes, if someone were to move to China and be subject to delicious so, food so, that happens to be better so for you I than learn languages, every word is a drawing. <laughs> Don't get me started. I lived in Taiwan for a while. I've got my my beefs with. Yeah, no, with I China. agree. They should get it together and get some sort of alphabet. It's been it's been a couple thousand years. It's they're due. I agree. They need a keyboard to write a letter. What the hell is this crap? Yeah. How long are their keyboards? This wide? <laughs> anyway, sorry. That's a total tangent. So that's going to be a rough year. Then you'll learn the language. You'll, you know, start getting dates. You'll meet some friends. You'll be able to have a conversation and you'll get it going. But you see these people with a two-year-old and they go, oh, we got divorced. You know, it was too hard and we weren't getting along. And I go, so you put less effort into raising a human than you did moving to China or moving to a new country, you pussy. I, I just, I can't talk to people. I understand divorce happened. But when I'm talking to someone who's divorced and they have a one-year-old or something, I just think, get it together. Like Louis C.K., he got divorced when his kids were nothing. And people who know him go, yeah, but that bitch was crazy. She was nuts. And I go, okay, well, then why did you knock her up then if she was so nuts? So there's some the, – the, the problem with divorce, especially in the black community, is we incentivize it. We incentivize uh, uh, no marriage. The problem in the more middle-class white community is that we have this self-indulgence where we're not willing to stick it out, and it's all about the individual and are you unhappy. And then on top of that, with all cultures, the media has this real anti-family push going on where it's it's single moms who rock or how fun it is not to have kids and why changing diapers is super gross. And there's a real, a real animosity towards not just having kids, but people who have kids. And I look back, I went to middle-class high school in Ottawa and in the suburbs, and I look on Facebook before I was banned, and about half my friends would have kids, about half. And that's just because of propaganda and divorce. Mm -hmm. No, it's the, it's the same thing with my, you know, my friends. They're young millennial women. Uh, they're educated. They're all, you know, either in school or just, uh, just about to finish, recently finished up. And it's, it really surprises me how few of them want kids. As someone who wants kids, I'm actually in the minority among my friends. And it's like, I I'm never going to go up to an individual and be like, you should have kids and like do that because that's an awkward conversation. But I, I get criticized for trying to bring up the fact that so few people want to have kids. I, I get people saying like, oh, you should mind your own business. It's your life. Like you can have a fulfilling life without kids, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't think people understand that if if we all stop having kids, literally our civilization ends. It's a pretty big it's deal. thing that matters. It's everything. It's not buying a boat. It's not getting a tattoo. It's not a minor decision. It's a 90-degree turn in your life, and it's why we're here. Now, if you want to party, go bananas, kids. Fine. Sow your wild oats, 14 to 25. I guess you got to do that. Go nuts. But... I have, especially here in New York City, you have 35-year-olds, 40-year-olds playing video games all day, unable to commit. They, they dump a girl. Another thing they do, it's really kind of sexist the way women get treated in this feminist society where they'll date a girl at 27 and then dump her at 30. She takes a year to recover. Now she's 32. Finally, the guy proposes 33, 34. We're done. Yeah. The ovaries are not thing. No, but I, my aunt had a kid at 40. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's anecdotal evidence. It's not a general pattern but they refuse to to grow up how old are you i'm 24 oh so we're doing pretty good and yeah. you're, you're in a relationship i'm engaged oh 
That's wonderful news. Thank I didn't you. know that. Yeah, I got engaged last July, actually. So we we better get started on that planning. But yeah, I mean, that's like the whole baby timeline is very, very prominent in, in my head. And I think a lot of people, a lot of women especially, think they have all the time in the world. And, you know, you don't. You don't want to be like one of those like stereotypical mothers that's rah, rah, rah. but at the same time anything above 35 i think is like considered a like at-risk geriatric pregnancy like really yeah you, you start no if you're, so, if you're in the maternity ward and you're over i believe it's actually 30 really uh get pushed through a door and it says on the sign geriatric mothers yeah. my wife was outraged <laughs> as they pushed her through the geriatric mother's door i mean the doctors are considered sexist in this day and age because they use medicine. But I mean, you think <laughs> about it. If you start your period at like, what, maybe 14, you've been menstruating for 16 years by the time you're pregnant. Like that. Yeah. Your body has given God you a pretty good we're window. Not doing this. I guess you're not interested. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of running out of period here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what I, I, I keep I keep telling sure. Liam, like, that if we don't get on the baby-making train soon, the only ones that are going to be left are going to be, like, the problematic ones that were, like, too slow to get out early. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's, I think that's a big um, impetus for this autism spike is all these late-term births. Maybe. It's, it, especially with women, when they're older, it's just the ovaries tend to, to, tend to make someone with autism. But... I would say one is for losers, two is for, and then I use a, a derogatory epithet for homosexuals. Um, three is the bare minimum, and I got three, and it's okay, but five, that's really, because this one starts looking after this one. They become a, a perpetual motion machine. It's not like it's harder to have five than it is to have three. One and two is the big jump, mm -hmm. but if you want to have five, you got to start young, and it seems silly. It seems like a funny fetish like i'm telling you you got to get a motorbike and i don't know why it seems like that yes there are maybe five percent who shouldn't but 95 percent of us should have kids and this isn't just about you and your household it's about your community and more importantly it's about western culture i think this infection we have the vitriol you see for the covington boys the the incredible success the splc has had convincing everyone that there's Nazis around every corner. I think all of this goes back to the family, the lack of fathers, the lack of patriarchy. That's turned everyone into not just anarchists, but nihilists. I mean, what did they say at Tucker's house? No, no borders, no wall, no, no USA, USA at all. Yeah. They want to burn it to the ground, and that's because their dad wasn't around. Mm-hmm. Well, Gavin McGinnis, thank you for educating us on all of this. Uh, don't forget, anyone watching this, go subscribe to him on the YouTube. That's Gavin McGinnis. And is there is there anything else you, you want to plug before we go? Yes, please go to defendgavin.com and throw five bucks in the pot, and I will help crush the SPLC, and we will get discovery. We will see the corruption they've been up to, and we can start to right the tide. We can start to right this, this giant cruise ship called the west and try to get it back on track again mm -hmm. awesome well thank you again for for joining us i really appreciate it thanks for having me roaming all right guys that's it for us thank you so much for watching and if you're one of our live viewers be sure to stick around on this stream because we have an exclusive q a for you coming right up but for everyone else we'll see you next time bye